Let me pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, uh, being a pastor, um, there's a lot that goes on with it. But one of the things you have to get used to or that you don't really expect when you get into this pastoring business is that there are going to be a lot of people who know who you are, but you don't know who they are. (laughs) You know? Uh, Running into people in grocery stores and and, uh, all kinds of places. Even on the back streets of New Orleans, somebody will say, Pastor Joe! And I'm like... You know, our liaison to St. Paul's United Church of Christ, Joe Vorwerk, uh, when I first met him, he said to me, my wife and daughter know you. The Vorwerks. You know them? Well, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> you know, I always say I, I, I know. It's, it's just disconcerting, you know. Uh, and turns out I do know his daughter because she's been at meetings that I've attended, you know. So, but sometimes I want to say to people, where did you get to know me? How is it that you have come to know me? And, you know, over the course of my 70 years, I've been in a lot of different organizations, right? And so it could be that they got to know me when I was a counselor at Texas Girl State. Or it could be that they got to know me when I was a teacher in public schools in Richardson. All kind, and, and now with social media, all kind of people, you know, all the time. So I think you probably know a little bit of what this, like, this is like. The story that we hear today is actually a continuation uh, that comes after that beautiful hymn of creation that begins the Gospel of John in the beginning The word was with God, and the word was God. I mean, it's just a beautiful hymn. But then the story picks up with John the Baptist. He's a very central character. And um, it is preceded, this story that we just heard, is preceded by this longer story about the ministry of John the Baptist baptizing people in the River Jordan. And as the writer of the Gospel of John tells it, Andrew, who we heard about, had been following John the Baptist, been a follower of John the Baptist, and decided to follow Jesus after the Baptist's endorsement. Look, there is the Lamb of God. And after Jesus invited him to come and see, we heard those words from out of the mouth of Philip. So Jesus says, come and see. Andrew then convinces his brother Simon to join him, and Jesus then names Simon Peter. On the other hand, Philip, who appears in the reading that we just heard, decided to follow Jesus after a simple summons, come and see. It wasn't that he had been following John the Baptist or that he had heard John the Baptist say, there's the Lamb of God. He got the invitation, come and see, right? 
So the gospel writer paints a portrait of following Jesus as arising in various circumstances, in various ways, among people with various temperaments, just like us. Just like us. So this variety in which God works is what Jesus is modeling. And then there's Nathaniel. God bless Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel followed Jesus through his own experience and circumstance. He's a skeptic at first, signing on only after Jesus has impressed him with the knowledge about Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree before Philip called him. You know, all of a sudden, Nathaniel is impressed with that because how could he know? And he says, where did you get to know me? Fascinating. So Diana Butler Bass has done a reflection on this, this scripture, and it's just uh, brilliant uh, and has informed my understanding of what is happening here. Uh, she says at the outset that this is far more than Jesus doing a magic trick. In fact, she says that this story points back to the opening stories of scripture, the Hebrew scriptures in Genesis, where uh, Adam and Eve are hiding under a tree from God after having broken the commandments. Hiding under a fig tree? The fig tree is the third tree mentioned in the Bible. First, there's the tree of life, and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and a fig tree. You know, after they'd broken the commandments, they had to get those leaves off that fig tree so that they had something to wear, because they suddenly realized, we're naked. Mm -hmm. So it is that Jesus sees Nathaniel under a fig tree, and maybe it's because he's feeling seen in ways he doesn't want to be seen. He feels naked in the presence of other people. He um, is perhaps trying to cover his own shame for something we don't know what. But Jesus sees in Nathaniel a good man, a person of a pure heart, no deceit. When he says to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree, he is probably saying, I see you beyond the shame you bear. I see you. I see you beyond whatever you're seeking to hide. I see you beyond every bad choice you have ever made. I see you for who you are without deceit. No judgment, no condemnation. And the good news for us is that this is the way Jesus sees all of us. Mm -hmm. Faced with Nathaniel's rather snide skepticism, could anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip makes no argument. Instead, Philip echoes Jesus' words to Andrew 
and simply says, come and see. So what I'm hearing in this is that there's a power um, that is about our firsthand experiences uh, of God that outdo any of our any of our intellect or arguments or assurances that it is about the experience of God. Uh, for both Jesus and Philip, come and see is a way of spreading this good news, right? It's a way of engaging followers. Nathaniel's ultimate testimony that comes near the end of the reading is that Jesus is the redeemer of Israel. Actually, original translations say the king of Israel, which foreshadows Pilate's sign on the cross that he has nailed to at the end of John's gospel, the inscription pronouncing Jesus as king of the Jews. That bookends, these two things bookend the story. especially for those of us who know the end of the story, right? Nathaniel's words uh, mix celebration and sorrow, which is really uh, life itself. Celebration and sorrow and celebration and sorrow, life and death and life. It is a call from Jesus um, uh, to follow not a call away from following. I like that Jesus in this story is not, it's not what they were expecting. It's not what they were looking for. Jesus is something else. And of course, the question Nathaniel raises is the question for us to consider today. Where did you get to know me, Jesus? Where did you get to know me? And what better time of year to do that than in January... Uh, I don't know if y'all are still working your resolutions. I don't think I am. Uh, but, you know, this is a good time to kind of reflect on the world and global issues and national turmoil. And uh, there's tension and disorientation. Oh, we're, we're just having it right now. But to go back to Butler Bass's reflection, implicit in the invitation of Jesus to come and see is to come into the light Step into the light. And Epiphany is the perfect season because Epiphany is all about having light shined on things and all about seeing in new ways. Um, so uh, she, she, this is one of my favorite parts of this reflection for Butler Bass. She, she just hits it right on the head. In fact, I, I think I'm going to read it and do a TikTok video <laughs> and, and say that Diana Butler Bass hits this right on, nail on the head. That's good. That's good. So she asks, what are followers of Jesus called to? And this is what she writes. The Protestants of my childhood, the Protestants among whom I have spent my life in ministry, think of calling as something to do. A Catholic friend once remarked to me that she didn't really understand Protestants. They love meetings. They love conferences. They love doing things. Protestants are so busy. And I thought, 
Well, why not? After all, Jesus told us to go and do likewise. And so we do stuff. Busy Protestants. Busy, busy, busy. It is holy work. We follow that we might go and do. But that's not what the Gospel of John says. It might be in other Gospels. It might be in another part of John's Gospel. But not in this story. The call is not in the Gospel of John to go and do. The call is to come and see. To have new eyes. Jesus, the light of the world, invites us to see first. The whole of Scripture tells stories of seeing God, the burning bush, the back of glory passing by. But, you know, the, the Hebrew Scriptures talk a lot about God's hiddenness. And that is an aspect of God. We experience that, that God seems to be disguised or mediated in some way. But, but the Christian story says that the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory. God with us. We can see God. Gaze upon God's presence. You know, John the Baptist says, Behold, look, look, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, look, not believe. Behold, see, have new eyes. Following Jesus doesn't begin by seeing ourselves as sinful. Following Jesus begins by seeing ourselves as whole in the eyes of Jesus. Seeing ourselves through the loving eyes of Jesus. Nathaniel's question is our question. When did you get to know me? And how do you know me? You know what happens then? We reflect on who we are. We reflect on whose we, we are, who we belong to. And that's a great invitation. And God invites us to see with our own eyes. You know, and, and, and some among us see. We call them prophets and saints and visionaries. But seeing and only for them, uh, we're all allowed to see and be visionaries following in the way of Jesus. You know, um, Father Richard Rohr, whom I'm a big fan of, he created an or a, a, a place, an organization called a Center for Action and Contemplation. So... I always wondered why he put contemplation as the second uh, because really his focus is all about contemplation, which is all about seeing, seeing with new eyes, seeing new things, and then moving into action. Come and see, the scripture says. And the story concludes saying that we will see greater things we will see greater things. And that seeing will result in the unexpected. Now, I, I put this in at the last minute because I was watching um, CBS this morning. 
and they did an interview with Emma Stone. Y'all probably know her. She's been in lots and lots of films, um, The Help and other things. And she's really growing into her role as an actress. And she now has a director that is helping form her. I don't know his name. <laughs> I probably should have paid attention to that. In the interview, the interviewer finally looked at her and said, uh, was this the life you expected? And she goes, oh, my heavens, no. It is far more than I ever expected. I thought that maybe I might be a, uh, on a TV, TV show. And now I'm doing these films that are magnificent, and I'm having to learn new things all the time. No, not at all, not the life I expected at all. I am so blessed, she says, with these opportunities. And I thought to myself, what was unexpected for me besides, well, becoming a pastor, but, um, and it is becoming a parent. Who's ever prepared for that? I don't, I don't think anybody really is, but uh, adopting Sydney was startling. And Stephanie occasionally has to remind me, you know, it's like you gave birth to her. Only I didn't have the hard part. <laughs> Not at all. I, it wasn't anything what I expected. First of all, I never expected to be a parent. And then to be in this child's life, the good and the bad of it. Did I expect it? No. Not on your life did I expect it. But more importantly, the joy. The profound joy of seeing the world through her eyes. Becoming a pastor, the same thing. The good and the bad of it. Did I expect it? Not at all. I didn't expect to go to seminary. I didn't expect to become a pastor. But more importantly, the joy of it. Of seeing the world through God's eyes. So, what is the unexpected thing that God is seeing in you? What is the unexpected thing that God is calling you to, to come and see, come and see? And then you can say to God, when did you get to know me? When did you get to know me? and to see me through your loving eyes. Amen.